0: everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today on Art Shorts, I want to talk a little bit about being a parent and how that relates to art making, the art experience, specifically in the direction of my five-year-old daughter who is rapidly turning into an artist and I can see it more and more it's, it's really kind of an interesting transformation. Before I get to that, I kind of want to talk a little bit about support, as we always do on these things, and ask you for some. Now, as you know, I uh, co-host a show, a talk show, a live talk show, with my partner Terry called The Large Glass, where we bring you a new artist or an art-related theme every week, Tuesday nights at 8 on Twitch and on YouTube and on Facebook and a few other things but we are really looking for ways to expand. Now, one thing we want to do is there's a show I want to try and pull off in July that involves inviting a bunch of people onto the show. And the first thing Terry said to me and she said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, where are we going to get the budget for that? We've got to pay people to be on that show and you know, we don't we don't have money for that." And I said, "Yeah, that's true." And it's I'm telling you now, I'm not going to tell you what the show is yet but it's a brilliant idea. I mean, I'm patting myself on the back here a little bit, I know, but it's gonna be, it could be such a brilliant show. And I thought, man, I just can't wait to get that Patreon cranking so that we've got a little little nest egg that we can throw at, you know, paying people to be on a show to bring you something interesting. So if you could, you know, the Patreon's there. There's three levels of support. The two, the two levels that are medium and high level support. I mean, they're not much. Medium level support is five bucks a month. High level support is ten. Both of those get you into our Discord community, which is also great. If you don't know Discord, it's like a chat community where you know Terry and I monitor that. Number one, and number two, we're going to be bringing you exclusive content. Some of it's unlockable on Patreon, and some of it's going to be live video in Discord that you can hang out and join in on. So we really wanna you know, bring some added benefits to our members. So consider giving us some support if you would. And thank you, thank you so much for that. All right, so on with the show. I'm currently reading a book called Hunt, Gather, Parent. What Ancient Cultures Can Teach Us About Raising Children. And that book is by Michaeline DeCleffe. You know, as parents, I mean, at least as conscious parents that are concerned about what they're doing. And I'm going to guess that most of us are like that. I mean, I was raised in the 70s and 80s. And so it felt like, you know, during that time, most parents really didn't, didn't give a shit about where their kids were. But that's contextual, right? That's not real. That's contextual. That's compared to what I mean is that that's compared to now. Now the thought of letting your nine-year-old stay home alone while you run out for groceries is unthinkable. You probably would worry that you'd be hauled in front of the court, lose your kids. But that happened to us. And And I don't want to sound like that. I don't want to sound like that nostalgic old person who's like, well, when I was a kid, we used to get left home by ourselves. But I feel like most parents now, on some level or another, are trying to find ways to do things better and this book seems like it could do that and I'm not here to promote this book. I'm not even done reading this book so even talking about this book on part of this podcast seems irresponsible because I'm gonna pull some information from it that may somehow change or reevaluate itself further on down the down the page turning nonetheless it was an eye-opener and something I'm thinking about. So Duclef talks about how a couple hundred years ago, families raised children in pods, lots of people living in close-knit communities in cities where your uncle, your aunt, your close friends, they all lived within a doorstep of one another. And they would filter in and out of your house during mealtime Sundays. And the job of raising a child was not done by two people or worse like now one person it was done by the village it takes a village to raise a child and this is the perfect example and the funny thing is she's you know she goes on to talk about the catholic church and how the catholic church actually systematically destroyed that by implementing laws against incest because to be honest those communities were very sort of insular it was important to keep them together. The value of those things was really intact. And I'm not making a case for incest here, obviously, but, you know, at that time when young people would plan to marry, they were often marrying inside of those communities, and given their insular nature, you would inevitably marry a fifth cousin or a third cousin, and it just went on like that. But then the Catholic, Church, the Catholic Church's march towards destroying that, um, With, you know, there's good reason for that, of course. You know, DNA strands can't be, uh, you know, can't be intermingling those between brother and sister or first cousins. But regardless, slowly, as they, you know, made rules against sixth cousins marrying, or, you know, even if your husband dies, you can't marry his brother, who, frankly, isn't really related to you. But slowly, those units eroded. Okay, so... Now what do we have? We wind up with the nuclear family, another value, another another lie, right? Because now we've got two parents. Let's just talk about America. We've got two parents in America raising kids, living in a house. Well, those two parents both have to work in order to maintain that house and the car that's needed to take the kids to the obligatory sporting events and to pay for all the training and the equipment. And what happens? Well, we're fragmented. You know, we're... We've got two parents that are stressed out because of their jobs who come home, make dinner, barely get time to put those kids to bed. And the community is not there. We've sort of discarded them. All right, so then what happens? Well, now, you know, we've got a high divorce rate and people are separating and we wind up doing this now one and one. Kids are going back and forth 50% of the time between both parents' houses. And what what we forget in this is that the kids are becoming lonelier and lonelier. And we wonder why they're addicted to devices or why we have anxiety disorders and how these things are sort of cropping up all over the place. And it really starts to make sense. So I see this, of course, in my own kids being divorced, having kids that go back and forth between both parents' house houses. I myself keep a you know small community of people around my house. I have fantastic neighbors and my my parents, my kids' grandparents, are still in the picture. Um, that's not necessarily the case at their other parents house but um, it is what it is and you can see the effects of this you can see a certain kind of reclusiveness in them you can see especially with the pandemic and not being able to socialize at all not having school the implications of this are so much greater so how does this relate to being an artist as an artist I've interwoven my art-making practice with every fiber of my life. I'm not concerned about shopping, I'm not concerned about keeping up with neighbors and other people, I, I really make my studio practice, my making, my creativity, my thinking around those things, really almost everything I do. So when it comes to raising kids, I try to do so in a, matter, in a manner that is similar in its creativity. But of course, just like those parents who actually, you know, give a shit, I also feel like I fail sometimes, miserably, and I'm constantly questioned. I go to bed at night and lay there staring at the ceiling, asking myself if what I just did was really wrong, if if what I did will have resonating implications down the road. I have a daughter, she's five, who draws. And yeah, all kids draw, I get that. But I don't know how many kids out there draw like this one. It's not necessarily about some kind of quality. I'm not going to sit here and brag about the fact that my kid can render a horse or can render a dog, you know, with incredible detail, and you'd be amazed. That's not not the idea here. She draws in volume, meaning I go through reams and reams and reams of paper. I've got stacks of paper all over the house with her drawings everywhere. It's almost as if she can't physically stop the act of drawing and i'm never ever going to try to stop her from drawing but drawing for her seems to be filling that void it seems to be filling that gap does she use a device yeah sure you know she she grabs her ipad and jumps onto youtube and watches a few videos here and there but she gets tired of that and then she turns to pages when she goes to the drawer that holds the paper she doesn't take out one sheet or two sheets along with the drawer of pencils and pens and markers and crayons. She takes out a fistful of paper, like 150 pages at a time of paper come out of that box, and she lays it on the table, and she just begins one after another after another, and they land on the floor, and all around the table around her, the dog picks them up and chews them. It's like a sea of paper around her. Is it wasteful? No, I don't think so. I feel like telling her to concentrate on one image until it's complete is just wrong i I want her to do exactly what it is that she feels she needs to do to get through that process because art is clearly embedded in her life she's not doing this to play artists she's not doing this to be um to be a maker in the studio sense, to be the maker in the creative practice sense that I suffer through when I have to write a 200 page dossier to the institution I work for to tell them I'm a maker and convince them I'm worthy. No, 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 This is about life. And this is about filling a gap. Now, this came to a head for me about a week and a half, two weeks ago, when... She very proudly and 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 without any embarrassment proclaimed at the dinner table that she had a crush on a classmate. Now she's totally virtual right now, and so that classmate has only appeared to her on a screen. She's never physically met this person, and he is, according to her. We asked her, "Well, why do you have a crush on this person?" And I'm going to use his name because. I think there's enough anonymity here that no one's going to be able to connect these dots in any kind of damaging way, because also there is a funny element to how this name progressed, but his name is Mason, and so she said, we said, well, why do you like Mason? And she said, well, because he's quiet and he's cute, and I was like, well, of course, but." So Mason became the crush, and we talk about Mason at dinner all the time, and what Mason was doing on the camera that day in the Zoom meeting, and so on and so forth. And one day, I see my daughter go upstairs, armed with all of her supplies, materials, an Amazon box, a big Amazon box, and she disappears into her room. And she emerges a little while later with a three-foot-high cardboard cutout, perfectly not perfectly drawn in that it was a likeness of, but, you know, carefully drawn and, frankly, adorably drawn version, her version of Mason in this cardboard cutout. He had colored clothes. And it was touching. And I said, well, what do you got there? And she said, oh, this is Flat Mason. And I said, oh. Well... What a beautiful and heartbreaking, and I mean really heartbreaking way, you know, what a a heartbreaking way to see your daughter connect with the world that is currently on pause, the world that is through, you know, this distant, you know, Bashing, destroying of a a family pod, a community of people slowly whittled down over time through whatever the case may be the Catholic Church, the nuclear family, capitalism, whatever you want to throw at this thing. You, you, You see your daughter come downstairs with a cardboard cutout of a boy that she likes, and you simultaneously realize that number one, you know, she's an artist that has infused this, you know, making so deeply in her personal life that it comes out kind of sideways, but also directly as this manifestation of uh, she wants to make that up. She wants to rebuild that. She maybe, without even knowing it, she misses that, right? She misses that community. So anyway, this is how in the age of parenting during a pandemic, I know that my daughter is in fact, an artist. All right, well, I want to thank you for listening today. This is uh, Art Shorts with Todd Lambrix, and um, I will see you next time. Have a great day.